Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. This is Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in Spencer, Iowa. And we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, coming to you this the 16th of January to celebrate the second Sunday after Epiphany, also known as the Sunday of the Wedding of Cana or the Sunday of the Epiphany of Divine Mercy. Now, since the beginning of the church year on this podcast, we've started each uh, podcast off with a brief divine service catechesis, and we've been off from doing that for a few weeks because of illness and, well, me not having a voice, really. But to catch up, we have been looking at the divine service and the service of the word, that part of the service from the salutation to the end of the sermon. We left off last time with the collect, that prayer which captures the thought or the theme of the day, or some would say that captures the divine grace being offered that day in the gospel. We also pray the collect in the matin service, which you'll see today, and it comes during the prayer after the sermon. Now, each collect, more or less, has five parts. The first is the invocation. So we're invoking either the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. And in most collects, you'll find that it's the Father that we invoke. The second part is the reason for our prayer. What has God revealed about himself or what has he promised from himself that is leading us to pray this prayer? The third is the actual petition itself. It's what we're praying for. The fourth part is the result. Why are we asking for this? What is the result we are hoping for? And that's what this part answers. The fifth and final part is a doxology, praising the Trinity. Now, sometimes the second or fourth parts are missing, but usually all five parts are there. And if you study the collect, you'll, you'll see this. The collects themselves have been around for a long, long time. It is the prayer of the congregation, really. And it can be prayed by the entire congregation, or it can be paid, prayed through the pastor, by the congregation, through the pastor, to which they say, Amen. The purpose of the collect is to prepare you, the congregation, to receive the grace being offered in the scripture readings, especially the gospel. So then, when we pray the collect, take a look at it there at the beginning of the service. Take a look at what we're praying for in the collect, so that you can open your heart and see and receive that divine grace which is being offered in the scripture readings. Now, these collects, especially those of the one-year lectionary, They've been around for over 1,200 years, many since the days of Charlemagne, so a very long time. Some were even written during the fall of Rome. And if you know which ones they are, you'll see that they carry with them the anxiety and terror which the people of that time experienced as Rome fell. But you'll also see the hope, their hope, that God would deliver them through his Son. And since these collects, since they are so ancient, You'll notice that many churches have kept many churches which have kept the Western liturgy. They also use these collects. It's not just a Lutheran, Lutheran thing. Now, next time we'll catch up on the readings on the Divine Service Catechesis about the readings, the Old Testament epistle, gradual verse, the gospel. But that will be for next time. For now, however, we turn to our matin service to celebrate the second Sunday after Epiphany, beginning with a hymn of invocation the people that in darkness sat.
O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Christ hath appeared unto us. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. Christ hath appeared unto us. O come, let us worship him.
all on the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Make a joyful noise unto God all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, How terrible art thou in thy works! Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. The Old Testament lesson for this second Sunday after the Epiphany is written in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, beginning at the 12th verse. Moses said to the Lord, Behold, you tell me, bring up this people, and you haven't let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your way now, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said to him, If your presence doesn't go with me, don't carry us up from here. For how would people know that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Isn't it that you go with us? so that we are separated, I and your people, from all the people who are on the surface of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim the Lord's name before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. He said, You cannot see my face, for man may not see me and live. The Lord also said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. It will happen, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand, until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the twelfth chapter of Romans, beginning at the sixth verse. Brothers, having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us, If prophecy, let's prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Or service, let's give ourselves to service. Or he who teaches, to his teaching. 
or he who exhorts to his exhorting. He who gives, let him do it with generosity. He who rules with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to that which is good. In love of the brothers, be tenderly affectionate to one another. In honor, preferring one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Enduring in troubles. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own conceits. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, O praise the Lord, all ye nations, and laud him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. The third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus also was invited with his disciples to the wedding. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, What does this have to do with you and me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone set there after the Jews' way of purifying, containing two or three meters apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the ruler of the feast. So they took it. When the ruler of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and didn't know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the ruler of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the guests have drunk freely, then that which is worse. You have kept the good wine until now. This chief of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From John, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, 
everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. The master of the feast, as we see in the gospel, had absolutely no idea where this good wine came from. Yet he confronts the bridegroom who also had no idea where the good wine came from, about how foolish it was to serve the good wine last. Now, we should understand why the master of the feast thought this was so foolish. So picture this in your head. Here is the wedding feast. The couple has been married. The celebration after it has lasted for hours and hours and maybe even for a day or two. Those who are still enjoying the festivities and the wine have been drinking the entire time. They were drinking the place dry. The best we could compare it to today probably is when a, when college fans travel to a bowl game and drink the city there dry. Now, as we, as we picture this, imagine what kind of crowd must have still been celebrating. If they were drinking the entire time, they are well beyond just feeling good or even buzzed. They were far lit. They were far gone. Some probably probably forgot where they were. Some may have passed out. As you picture that, not quite a lovely scene, but as you picture that, can you see why the master of the feast thought this was foolish to give these people the good wine? It'd be like you busting out the craft beer for a drunk who couldn't tell if it was the local beer or a bush light. It's not just that they weren't, wouldn't appreciate it. It's that this drunken crowd doesn't deserve the delicacies of the good wine. They're not good enough for it. That's what the master of the feast is saying. Don't waste the good stuff on the poor, pathetic drunks. Give it to those at the wedding feast who deserved it, who at this point would have probably have long been gone. Which is what makes this miracle so well, bizarre, doesn't it? Why would our Lord, who has commanded us against drunkenness, perform his first miracle for those who have so clearly over-imbibed and don't deserve the good stuff, let alone benefit from his first miracle. Why a miracle here instead of divine wrath or even a divine lecture? This isn't like the healing miracles. This one is completely different. Well, it's because this is why our Lord came. He came to give the best to those who don't deserve it. See here what our Lord does. His love here is genuine. He performs the miracle without anyone but the servants knowing. He doesn't do it to his own credit. He abhors evil. He won't let the married couple or their families be embarrassed for not having enough wine, even though it was their poor planning which led to this problem. He is patient. See how he is patient with his mother through her constant prayer, even though it's not his time. He shows hospitality to the couple by creating the wine with his word. He rejoices with those who rejoice by giving them the best wine, keeping the wedding in harmony, the celebration in harmony, while he associates with the lowly. He associates by giving them 
the best wine which they do not deserve in any way whatsoever. And this is our Lord's first miracle. And really, this could be translated as our Lord's chief miracle, the miracle which he performs by which all of his other miracles, all of his works, all of his teachings must be understood. And this chief miracle is to us an epiphany of divine mercy. The divine mercy which he reveals at the wedding is the divine mercy which he reveals also to us. Because like the families who failed at planning their wedding, like those drunks who debased themselves in debauchery, we too are sinners. Sinners who are unworthy. Unworthy of the divine mercy found in the divine promises. Unworthy of the divine mercy of the Son of God coming down by becoming incarnate of the Virgin. Unworthy of the divine virgin of that Son of God in our flesh being counted with us sinners in his baptism of him going to the cross with our sins to die for our sin and our guilt for us. Look at what all of Christ does. We are unworthy of all of it. Yet see here what our Lord does. His love is genuine. He did all of this while we were his enemies, without recognizing him when he came into the world, but he still came to die for us. He abhors evil. He won't just watch as we fall short of the glory of God in our sin, as the devil takes control and reigns over us. No, 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 no. He washes us of all that sin and embarrassment there in the font, and he crushes the head of the serpent. He is patient with us. He is patient with his church through our constant prayer and struggles. He shows us hospitality. Here, every Sunday at church, he forgives us and welcomes us to the rail with his word. And here at the altar, he creates with his word the best food and wine of his flesh and blood. Here at the rail, he rejoices with us who rejoice. He weeps and strengthens us who weep. Here in the gathering of the saints, in the church, our Lord keeps us in harmony with God and each other. He associates with the lowly, with us, giving us the best, his flesh and blood, which we do not deserve in any way. In this chief of miracles, here is revealed to us the epiphany of divine mercy to you, me, and everyone here. Yet, it's not just in this chief miracle where this divine mercy is revealed, nor does our Lord show this divine mercy on the cross without also revealing it through his church. They go hand in hand. From the altar, as we leave the altar together, our Lord reveals this divine mercy through each other to each other. This is what St. Paul is teaching us here. Every pastor and every saint here on earth have different gifts, some of teaching or exhortation, that is, inviting others into the church, some of generous contributions, tithing, charity, some of leadership, others of acts of mercy and charity. This is how Christ, through the gathering of the saints, manifests his divine mercy through us, his church, by giving us various gifts, giving different gifts to each of us, And each, through the gospel, have a duty to his Christian brothers 
to love the other with these gifts, these divine manifestations of mercy. If one is a preacher proclaiming the word, then then it is his duty in Christian love to preach the gospel and only the gospel as found in the scriptures, nothing more, nothing less. For one who teaches, he ought in love to give himself wholly to the flock, teaching his class wholeheartedly, evangelizing where the gospel had not been heard, or showing aid and acts of mercy and charity freely, generously, to those who are lowly and without. Same goes with the gifts, those manifestations of divine grace, given not just to pastors, but also to those saints within the flock. If you teach, do it wholeheartedly. If you lead here in the flock, do it with zeal. If you in the flock are given the gift of showing acts of mercy, do it with gladness, with generosity, out of love for the brother in Christ, out of love and pity for those outside of the body of Christ. Our first duty to others then, our first Christian duty to others, as others have said, is to do our own work, exercise those free gifts in divine mercy and to do it well. And whatever divine gift is freely given to us in God's grace, notice how in our salvation, from our salvation, Paul has us follow the example of our Lord in his chief miracle that we read about today. We don't reflect this divine mercy to others begrudgingly. We don't show divine mercy just to add to our numbers in the church as if we're just playing a number game. We show divine mercy. We reflect Christ's divine mercy out of genuine love for the other, which means getting to know the other. We do it while abhorring what is evil. That is, not hating a brother or those who are lost because they have sinned, but instead we abhor the darkness in which they dwell. We are eager to show them the light, the good to which we hold fast ourselves. Divine mercy is reflected in the church by showing each other brotherly affection, by contributing to the needs of the saints. If we see another in our pews, who are without. May those among us who have extra provide for them. If we see another here in our congregation who is lonely, may those who have time and empathy go and visit with them. May we show hospitality. May we welcome our fellow Christian brothers, not just to our church, but also into our homes, so that we may have them not just in the four walls of the church, but in our lives, getting to know them, loving them as brothers in Christ. We do this not just when our heartstrings are pulled and sympathy randomly hits us. Instead, we do this out of love and Christian duty to each other in Christ. May we never starve the children, starve one of our own, so that we can feed the neighbor. May we feed our own first. And of course, it's more than that. In Christ, we show this divine mercy as Christ did to those who in no way deserve it. So if you have those who curse you, don't curse back. Reflect the divine mercy which you have received. Instead, bless those who bless you. That is, 
Rejoice with those who rejoice, even when they don't deserve to have you rejoicing with them. Weep with those who weep, especially when they don't deserve your shoulder to cry on. The more they curse you, the more we ought to bless them, rejoice with them, weep with them. Just as Christ loved us when we hated him, may we love others when they hate us. This is not only how we live in harmony with those outside the church. This is how we live in harmony, live in in divine mercy within the church. This is how we associate with the lowly, not just the lowly here in church, which we all are in repentance, but also the lowly out there, those whom the world despises. When the world despises them, we aim to reflect Christ's divine mercy on them most of all. May we not be slothful in showing divine mercy. Instead, may we be zealous, purposeful, thoughtful, even eager in showing this mercy. Not just looking to outdo each other, but more properly in the Greek. What it's saying there is to be eager to place each other above ourselves in Christian love and mercy, to put others' needs above our own. Just as our Lord placed the needs of the wedding above his, even though it was not yet his time, he placed others above himself, their needs above his. May we do the same. Again, it says in John, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. None of those at the wedding deserve the miraculous good wine. None of us deserve the riches of baptism and faith. Yet our Lord shows his divine mercy to us all in this chief miracle, in and through his church, by his crucifixion and resurrection in the flesh and blood, the same flesh and blood which he serves us at this altar. In this divine mercy, we are now free, able, and duty-bound to love each other in brotherly affection and to reveal this divine mercy to all whom God puts in our lives. It is a blessing. As we live in this divine mercy, may we also manifest this divine mercy, or may Christ manifest it through us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.
gust upon thee to deliver me when didst humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, 
with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise. 
and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.
that's all for this week. Please join us again next Sunday to celebrate the third Sunday after Epiphany, also known as the Sunday of the Roman Centurion. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.